listening to the Mouthful of Graffiti Podcast. The mod, not to be mistaken for John Candy's half-man, half-dog character from 1987 Spaceballs, is a mouthpiece for Mid-Atlantic creatives. I'm your host, Brad Cox, the Mog Father, a name affectionately coined and given to me by conversations with Rich Bennett, and I'm here to let you into the Mog House. Let's see who and what we're chewing on today on the Mog. The Mog, podcasting from Underground Studios, aims to be an all-inclusive, all-things-creative networking megaphone, and with the amount of talent we have in our own backyard, I don't know that we'll ever have a shortage of good content and rich stories to tell. Everyone has a story that's uniquely their own, and it's the Mog's mission to unearth it. The Mouthful Graffiti Podcast started as a seed and couldn't have grown without the support of those who sponsored us along the way. We'd like to thank Musicland, Reb Records, Capricos Books, The Gone But Never Forgotten Black-Eyed Susie's, Vagabond Sandwich Company, Double Groove Brewing, and the Baltimore Decal Gal. Don't forget to use discount code MOGPOD for a 10% discount at Capricos Books. Everyone knows you can't stop by Main Street Bel Air without grabbing some fresh new wax at Reb Records, followed by a delicious lunch at Vagabond Sandwich Company. While you're in town, swing by Musicland for the latest in gear and rentals or a relaxing pint at Double Groove Brewing. One's The Beatles' number one hit is coming to the APG FCU Arena on April 22nd at 7.30 p.m. One's presents the 27 unforgettable Beatles' number one songs that topped the charts for seven consecutive years, from the Ed Sullivan Show to the Apple Rooftop. Rumors, a Fleetwood Mac tribute is coming to the APG FCU Arena on June 30th. Fans from across the nation claim that Rumors is the band to see if you're looking for an authentic recreation of live Fleetwood Mac shows. Tickets are available at HartfordEvents.com. Finally, Hartford Dance Theater is bringing the magic of Cinderella to Hartford Community College on May 19th through May 21st. Don't be late to the ball. For tickets to all of these events, visit HartfordEvents.com. When I last had Pat Rennie onto the Mouthful of Graffiti podcast, he was fresh on the heels of his Best of Me EP. But today he's here to promote his upcoming album, Driven. Pat is a singer, songwriter, and musician from the Mid-Atlantic region who was born to perform on the world stage. He's a talented vocalist who has harnessed popular music and is able to tell his story through song. He's accomplished a lot in his short time on the scene and made a lot of lifelong friends in the process. Join me in welcoming Saved by the Bell's own Pat Rennie to the Mog. Pat Rennie, welcome to the Mouthful of Graffiti podcast. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Of course, for our listeners, you're not really part of Saved by the Bell. You weren't around. Uh, for Saved by the Bell, I probably wasn't born yet. Maybe? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, I think I've carried on, though. I, I got the Zach Morris. I know they can't see they can't see it, but I mean, like, I mean, you can see that I got the Zach Morris hair thing going on. You so. have the Zach Morris hair, and then you're wearing the Kelly Kapowski T-shirt that we talked about on the last episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the main reason why I wanted to wear the Kelly shirt, uh, shout out to Nick about this little, um, I was listening to the Distance of Dawn podcast, and I was like listening to three shout outs already. And I remember you saying, uh, like, you know, oh, yeah, Pat loves Saved by the Bell. And then Lexi goes, oh, Pat just loves Kelly. And I yes. was like, and I we, had and to, we all do. To. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's fantastic. And she still looks good. She still looks good. So they did a reboot of Saved by the Bell, if I'm not mistaken, and everybody kind of looked the same. Especially Mario Lopez. <laughs> okay, so Mario Lopez, whatever his skin regimen is, the man isn't aging at all. I know, right? But as for like, you know, uh, Mark Paul Gosler, uh, he's more open about this than he was during his Say by the Bell days. Uh, you know, 
he be saying like, oh, did you know I'm half Asian, by the way? And people are like, what? He's half Asian? Like, you know, because like he dyed his hair blonde, like, you know, for the year, like, you know, when he was in Saved by the Bell, people wouldn't know that he's half Asian. But you, if you see his natural hair color and I Google search it sometimes, I'm like, holy crap, he is half Asian. Like, you, you don't really think about it that way. And no, so like, no. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you coming from this afternoon? I mean, I know you work up here in Harford County, but yeah, well, I'm off today. It's uh, mainly just like promoting uh, the album, you know, promoting the new album release show. Uh, usually on my days off, I just spend this time really to just like work out and, you know, try to right. sell some tickets. Pump it a little iron. Show. You get on the treadmill. What are you doing? Uh, I'm just doing some weight training, uh, watching what I'm eating, trying to make sure I look good before this album release show because people have no idea how much thought we put into this. I know, right? I used to the black coffee and chicken wing diet. It was kind of like parlayed from like the Atkins diet, which was basically just eat meat and you'll be fine. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to eat meat and just drink coffee, I'm going to lose weight. And I did. It was like a crash diet. Oh my God. All right. I know, right? Uh, This diet, I think I'm just doing just following fitness recipes on uh, Instagram. That's just what I've been doing. And, you know, uh, as long as I can fit my clothes, I know I'm doing good (laughs) so far. (laughs) Because jeans don't lie. Oh, Absolutely. Like, the one piece of clothing that will not lie to you is a pair of jeans. Absolutely. Like, even though, like, you know, they come out, you know, laundry and, like, it's natural for it to get a little tight. <laughs> a little I mean, tight. At the same time, you're just like, oh, no. am I? But if it more? stays tight throughout the day, then you know you've probably picked up a little weight. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's why I'm like, okay, yeah, it's time for me to go so to. So you're feeling good. You're looking good. You're feeling uh, thank good. You. I thank love you. the hair. Uh, thank you. This needs to be the new look on stage. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because on the album cover yeah. here, you've kind of got it down and swoopy a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, you know, I was just trying to grow out my hair. Um, I don't know what I was, I don't know what I was doing. I guess I was just trying different, you know, What was the longest you've had your hair? The longest I've had my hair, probably when I was in Face Today, maybe. Okay. The Did long, you have it like covering the eye? Yeah, the long, you know, the long hair, but the, the red. Mysterious, the mysterious swoop. Had, yeah, I had the red streak back in the day. Fantastic. I loved it. Even though I hate it when it started to fade and turn pink. And I was like, oh, no, right. I got to do that again. So I used to dye my hair. I used to have really long hair. I used to dye it like Marilyn Manson, right? But then like my natural like blondish brown hair would come out. And I have like a skunk trail down the middle. It looked terrible. So I had to keep dyeing it. Oh, my God. You know the struggle. You know the struggle. I do know the struggle. All right. I'm going to read the news real quick, and then we'll get right into it. That sounds good. All right. Transcendent Events is bringing the Emo Show back to the Baltimore Soundstage on April 22nd. Are you going to be at the, the Emo Show or even performing? Um, No, nah, I I didn't even know about it until you mentioned well, it. Well, now you got to call Kevin and say, get me on the bill. <laughs> I'm going to do that right after this interview. Let's do it. All right. I'll tee this up, but then you're going to run with the ball. So Rapola Entertainment has our guest Pat Rennie right here in the studio today. Pat Rennie coming to the Record Theater on April 14th. Fill in the blanks. What can people expect from the show and who else is playing? They can expect a bunch of presence uh on the at the merch table because april 14th is also my birthday so (laughs) how old are we gonna be uh i'm just gonna say 21 again i'm kidding uh so 20 uh now i'm gonna be i'm actually gonna be 31 (laughs) no way i still get carded though okay god you don't look that old Oh, thanks, man. I tried you didn't have to admit it on the show though (laughs) you chose to do that so who else is on the bill uh, so um, my direct support act, uh, Chad Gray, a.k.a. The Honest Thief, uh, a okay. great, great friend of mine, uh, super good at what he does. Also going to have Ignant Exposure, uh, Silver City, also great friends with them. Uh, I've gotten to see their music journey. Uh, I think you should also have Silver City on the um, you know, on the mod sometime. 
I'm not sure if I'm familiar with Silver City. What type of music do they do? Uh, kind of like a pop, uh, pop hip hop mixture. Uh, like they've been around for a few years, but I mean, like you know, it's kind of like uh, I'm the one that introduced them to Rapola, and then I've got to see them blossom, like you know, play from small um, Zenwa shows to opening for me at the record. So um, I would definitely um, recommend having them. And also, um, this artist you're like named- a headline name now, Pat. Really. I think so. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And also, uh, Jimmy Kells is going to be opening the show. Uh, I don't know much about him, but I mean, I've seen him perform at Zen once and pretty cool guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, doors open at six. Uh, stick around for all the artists. Absolutely. And, yeah, I'm all for uh, whenever I go to a show, I stick around for the um, from beginning to end. So I'm all for that. That is very good scene etiquette, Pat. All right, so Feed the Scene has Shift Meal, Dr. Feel Okay, and Curse Words coming to Zizimo's Bar on April 30th. And finally, be the first to message me Eagle Fang and win a $25 gift card to the Baltimore Decal Gal, also for you. Did I just hear Eagle Fang? You did hear Eagle Fang. Oh, my God. All right, and and speaking of Eagle Fang, instead of doing fun questions, these are fun questions, but we're changing it up a little bit. We're going to be doing a Save by the Bell and Cobra Kai quizzes section of the I love this already. I love this already. We'll see how many you get correct. Uh, What was the name of the actor who played Mr. Mr. Belding? Damn. Uh, All right, I'll give you some choices here. Was it Mario Lopez, Dennis Haskins, Dustin Diamond, or Ed Alonzo? Can you repeat again? Yeah, Mario Lopez. Dennis Haskins, Dustin Diamond, or Ed Alonzo? Uh, Dennis. Yes, it is. Dennis Haskins. So that's one point for you, Pat. Hey, hey, what is going on here? Question two, you better get this one right. Uh, If you don't get this one right, you probably should just pack up and leave. Yeah, let's let's end this now. (laughs) What actress played Kelly Kapowski? Tiffany Thiessen. Yes. Yes, Tiffany Theason. My heart's beating a little faster now. What year did Save by the Bell launch? I'm going to give you four options here. Okay. All right. 1987, 1989, 1991, or 1993? If you want to be specific, like, I think, like, if you count the Good Morning, Miss Bliss, it would be 87, but Save by the Bell was 89. Saved by the Bell was 1989. That's the correct answer, and you yeah. got it. So we'll say that. I don't know what yeah. the Miss Bliss was. Uh, What's best, that? Basically, uh, Good Morning, Miss Bliss was the kind of like Saved by the Bell before Saved by the Bell. It had Zach Morris, uh, Lisa Turtle, Screech, but it had like different characters, and their main character was a, their teacher named Miss Bliss. Oh, I did not know that. I actually put some of these questions in there thinking, okay, he likes the show. Maybe he won't get all these correct. You, you're three for five now. All oh right? my god! What did the AC and AC Slater stand for? Albert Clifford. Yes, yes. Uh, we can't stump you. Oh my this god! This is ridiculous. <laughs> How do you even know that? He he didn't barely know that. I don't know. I just. Uh, all right. Well, this this is going to be a five for five. Or because, okay, let's go. Let's go. Right, what was the name of the high school they all attended? Seaside. Right. That's incorrect. Oh shoot! It's a four out of five. Uh, what was that? What was the? Fifth and you're one? gonna kick yourself because you're you got it. It was a body of water. Uh, you were so close. Bayside, Bayside. It was Bayside. <laughs> it was Bayside. Damn it! <laughs> so close. No, Seaside was something else. Uh, crap. I ha- okay, but it's all good though. Man, we jinxed it. Now for the Cobra Kai section of the fun questions. Here you got four out of five on Saved by the Bell, and. Here we go. Uh, what is the motto written on the Cobra Kai dojo walls? Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. 
Perfect. What is the name of the competition where LaRusso beats Lawrence? Um, All Valley Tournament. Absolutely. In which country was Miguel Diaz born? Where did they go? Ecuador, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I was not sure if you were going to get that one. Who was Johnny's girlfriend in high school? Um, Are we talking about Allie? We are talking about Allie. Do you know her last name for bonus points? Uh, That's Allie Mills. Yes. All right. So I'm going to give you a bonus point. And since you got like the body of water incorrect, but you said seaside instead of bayside, I'm going to give those extra points for that particular question. So you're five out of five now. Awesome. And finally, the last question here. This is an easy one. What is the name of Johnny's son? Johnny's son. Robbie. Robbie. That's right. Robbie Lawrence. Congratulations. Five out of five on both. I knew you would do well. I didn't think you would do that well. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. So you've been feeling a bit nostalgic as of late. And you sent me a message the other day talking about some of the essential pop punk bands that you were listening to recently. Some like old local veterans. Who were they? Uh, Well, I was listening to bands like Echoes in Color, uh, American Diary. Ben DeHaan was in that band. Uh, Storm the Beaches, uh, Worth Our While. Uh, the reason why I just like went through is because like recently I uploaded um, people who didn't know me. I was in the band Face of Day, yes, even though, even though like we were very short lived and we were never at that level that the other bands were. I just uploaded our old songs on my YouTube channel in the unlisted section. So people were like, "Hey, can we listen to Face of Day?" Like you know, you always say you were in a band, but we never got to hear your old band stuff. And unfortunately, I don't have the wave files to put it on streaming platforms. So I just uploaded them on YouTube say, hey, if you guys want to hear Face Today, here it is. So that's why I started listening to some of the, you know, like bands from uh, the late 2000s, early 2010s, because like a lot of them, you know, a lot of them aren't around anymore. And I love yeah. that sound back then. I just love that sound. Why do you think so many of the bands have broken up? Or is it just the natural progression of being in a band? I th- I think the natural progression of being in a yeah. band. I think so. I mean, as you get older, you know, it's like the do same Do you miss thing being again. in a band? I do, but I don't at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I was like thinking back on like, you know, why Face Day broke up because I feel like now why you, you, you just said like, you know, earlier that, you know, I'm like more known in the music scene now. And I feel like the reason why is because I feel like I had a lot more to prove when I was in Face Day, you know, versus now because Face Day we played like mainly like Sunday night shows at the record. We were never given that opportunity that the other bands like from back then were like, we never had those Friday night shows at the record. We never had like those, like, um, you know, the, the cool MySpace layout, like, you know, we never had a sellout before. We never even had our EP released. We never even had any of that. So I felt like I had a lot more to prove like as a solo artist. When did you actually branch off and start becoming a solo artist? Like what year was there any hesitation? Like, did you did you feel like maybe I can't do this? You know, a little insecurity about the idea. I was very conflicted when I started off the whole solo thing, because if I'm being completely honest, I if anything, I really missed being in a band when Face Day broke up. I really missed being in a band. Yeah. I've done, you know, a couple projects here and there. You know, I consider them projects because they were never at that category that Face Day were. Like, you know, we didn't last that long or uh, we never played at the record or anything like that. So I wouldn't say that, you know, any of those like were actual bands, but I was conflicted because at the same time I was auditioning for America's Got Talent in 2014 and I was recording my first solo EP, uh, you know, around that time too. So it, I was like more of like experimenting. Do I want to be a solo artist? Do I want to be in a band? I really don't know. I really don't know. 
And just to kind of introduce you to people, you were always a, a singer in the bands. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Any professional training? Because your voice is really, it's really great. And it's, it Thank just keeps you. developing more and more and more. I think so, too. Any professional training? I did take lessons at CCBC back when I was younger, but everything else was just like just working on my craft, you know. Uh, the more songs you write, the more shows you do, you just like continue to get better and better each time, you know? So. You talked about your diet and staying in shape. What is the regimen for your voice? You can't get away with being like really gravelly and loud. You got a, a very refined voice. You got to take care of it. It comes with age, I guess. Like, you know, as you get older, you just like um, think about like, you know, what's good for your voice. Like, you know, like lay off like some certain things, like, you know, try to uh, drink as much water as you can, you know, try to, you know, stay in shape, I guess. At least for me, that's what it is. You know? Are you doing a lot of like vocal exercises daily to keep the vocals strong, the muscles in there? And... Yep. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing to do it, but I just got. Like... I think it's called motorboating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. The new album has a lot of tracks and they're very cohesive. I, I really enjoyed the album. Thank you. I love the atmospheric track in the beginning. We're going to talk about all the tracks. Oh, wow. uh, but what is your songwriting process? Because I remember the last time you were on the show, you were going through kind of a little bit of a dark night of the soul. You were a little bit down. There was people that maybe had said some things that kind of cut you up a little bit. You hear it in the lyrics. Yeah. So what is your songwriting process? Is it just kind of like sitting down like you're opening the diary or what are you doing? Well, funny you said that because I remember the last time, you know, we read them, um, we, we did this. Uh, I was telling you I was in the beginning process of this album. So funny thing is that, you know, who knows, maybe the next Mog, you know, I would be in the studio working on the next album. But like when writing a song, um, I just have to get inspired. Just got to live life, you know. And it's like you said, it's opening a diary, just uh, starting, you know, just what I'm going through in the situation, just writing about it and like, you know, just put it into song, you know. Are you starting yeah. with like a melody line in your head? And then is there a reference instrument like the keyboard or the guitar? I uh, like to just like come up with a melody to okay. make sure like it's something that I find. Like, so you've got a ton of files on your phone. Like if you just singing like uh, the beginning stages of what would be a later Pat Rennie song. Oh, my God. Like I'm, at, I'm on my phone right now and I have like <laughs> so many rough drafts of the songs from the album. So it's crazy to think about because like some of these were from like um, spring of 2021 you know, some of the songs from the Driven album. So it's crazy to think about. For every song that's recorded, there's obviously a lot of songs that aren't recorded. Oh, How yeah. many do you think, a ratio, like 10 to 1, you know, 10, 10 don't make it, 1 does, like <laughs> um, 20 to 1? Are we talking maybe 50 to 1? Maybe 20 to 1, okay. maybe. Like uh, one day I would like uh, play a song. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the catchiest thing ever. And I, uh, you know, listen to it the next time. I'm like, ah, it's all right. Uh, maybe I could write better. I don't know. Like I've written so many songs for my next album. But um, even still, I'm, I'm not pleased with it yet. I just like want to keep writing and writing till I know. I'm like, wow, this is the album. I already told Tony, like, you know, you would know when I'm going to hit you up for the next album. You already know. Now, so. are you booking the sessions like a month in advance, two months in advance? Are you booking like blocks of months? Because um, getting into Tony's is really hard. Oh, yeah. I hate when I leave there and I maybe it's like a 10-hour session and I haven't finished because I might not finish for another month and a half then. Oh, my God. Uh, what was the longest you've ever done uh, recording with Tony? Because this album took 15 months to make. Okay. Um, I kind of work at the same pace you do. It's basically either one full session or one full session and then like a, a mix session. Um, but I try to... 
I try to do a song a month. Yeah, the same so, year. And then I kind of compile them. And then, so I would say with about a year. Yeah, same, same. Yeah. Yeah, I already knew this was going to take a lot longer to make, uh, you know, because the Best of Me EP, even though it was just an EP, that one took eight months to make. Yeah. So I'm really not surprised that this one took a lot longer. Now, if we could somehow just find a way to maybe move into Tony's basement, we would have probably albums coming out every month. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know, right? That's what he should do. He should have like a bed and breakfast in his basement. Tony, if you're hearing this, let's do this. Yeah, I mean, he's got a laundry room. He doesn't need a laundry room. The the title is called Driven, and we're going to get into why I think it's a perfect title for the album, because the album is a journey. But why did you call it Driven? Do you have any recollection or... I was really hoping you would ask this question, because I was thinking over in my head what to answer, you know, for that. But specifically, it had to do with, um, well had to do with like a lot of uh failure you know to get to where i am now you know like after face day broke up i tried other projects and the inspiration behind you know the name driven was like a lot of failed projects and you said this from the last mug how um i had an unreleased ep called simple clarity and yes. then you were yes. like and i was like brad how did you know about that that ep never released so you know from all the stuff that all the failed attempts that was going on and all the haters like coming at me saying like, no, no one likes you. No one likes your music. Like, where I you? like you and I like your music. I remember my best friend, uh, you know, going like, Pat, not everyone's driven like you. And oh. that just stuck by me, you know. And every time I was like overwhelmed with all the stuff that was going on in my life, I was just like thinking like, you know, just keep going. Like, I know that what I'm feeling is only a temporary thing, but, you know, just keep pushing towards it and then you'll see the results just have faith and you know just keep pushing towards it so where do you think that fire is coming from knowing that um i just wanting to make us yeah just wanting to wanting to succeed and being like the best artist i could be in the scene do you you think it's coming from a, a spiritual place a little bit yeah uh more of like just wanting to not not really like prove to uh, my haters or anything because I don't want to say that, but it's like more of like. But that is fuel. It is fuel. It really is. Um, just wanting to put out the best album, just prove like because I know you said this the last time we were on the um like last time on the mug like you were like saying like there's not a lot of pop artists that do what you do you no. know, and I wanted to be that person to continue like that trend like hey you know I could I have a lot to. I have a lot to prove versus the other um, acts in the scene because I, some are in either in bands or some other in, you know, different genres, like, and everything like that. I had to prove like, hey, you know, I'm here to stick around and I'm great at what I do, you know. And There's I'm only a few around. artists that I can think of that do what you do. Luke Roberts is one. Oh, yeah. LJR, yep. He would be one. I would even say like somebody like Shelby Blondell, you know, out singer-songwriter, off on her own steam. But specifically what you're doing with pop music is – it's there's not a lot i know and so, that's why you know that's why i definitely tried to like you know prove like hey you know i'm here to stick around and i want to be different from everybody else i want to be able to you know show that hey i could um create music that i'm passionate about and make it happen and, and your album is great i did see on the back that you're registered with bmi yep i say that's that's one step in the right direction. Have you gone about the process of trying to get the songs licensed so maybe your song could end up in Cobra Kai, like as a backing track or something like that? That's definitely in the works. That's definitely in the works. Okay. Um, I'm lucky enough that this time around, 
Uh, I've said this before that, you know, even though I've had two EPs before Best in Me, I consider Best in Me my true debut because that was the first EP where I've had an EP release show. I've started doing shows like at Zen and at Wrecker and other venues and everything like that. So uh, I'm just lucky this time around. I actually have a team behind me that actually keeps me grounded and helps me like, you know, make business decisions. Cause before I I was doing everything by myself, you know, I was doing everything by myself and it was so overwhelming. So anybody you want to give a shout out that would be on that team? Oh yeah. I want to give a shout out to um, John Malfi from Veer. Okay. He did the artwork layout. Yeah. Who did the uh, actual photography? Uh, It was his wife, Kara. Okay. So Kara and John helped you with uh, the, the marketing and the, the physical copies. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they're amazing. And, um, I love them. They love me back, like as family, and they're like, you know, we just work so well together. I love the photography. Now, where was that taken? I was gonna say Ocean City based off the back, but it looks more like it's a Bay Area. Uh it was in Annapolis where we um, okay. so took that album cover. Uh, I tried my best not to um fall off because I was wearing Chelsea boots. So the <laughs> entire time, like the rocks were slippery, and I tried my best to like keep my cool and everything like that. But in reality, I'm just like, don't fall now, don't fall. Right. I want to twist my ankle in these rocks. <laughs> I know, right? Leading up to the release of the album, April 14th, what kind of promotions are you planning to do? Obviously, Facebook ads, things like that. But what else? Instagram, uh, just uh, word of mouth. Uh, Well, I am telling people that this uh, album release show is also going to be filmed for a music video as well. This is going to be my very first um, concert music video. Ian Bell's going to be filming it. Awesome. He does great work. For those who don't know... You've sold 91 to 100 tickets already for the debut show at the Record Theater. That's a lot of weight to carry on your own back. How how are you getting the word out there? Uh, I just do my thing. Just support the scene. Uh, Just go to different people's shows, uh, support them, Uh, you know, sell tickets at every show I go to. Because there's not really a Pat Rennie band, per se. There's another player. Yeah. Uh, yeah, shout out to Jeff Hines, uh, my backing guitar player. Uh, yeah, I just go out to other people's shows and I just show my support and I uh, just like tell about my music and just like get my name out there. That's just the best way uh, to sell tickets, really. It's just like supporting the scene, really, building yeah. the community. How much are the tickets? $10? Uh, yeah, they're $10. Yeah. Uh, next week is going to be the VIP album release party april 6th so if people want to hear the album before it comes out uh it's going to be at zen west like you know you get to listen to the album before it comes out awesome yeah are you so. going to be in that uh speakeasy area or are you going to be where are you going to be uh, i'm going to be that uh the back side uh not not in the stage but the other side uh I right figured, yeah that's kind right. of like the walled off area like yeah the, the back yeah. bar yeah Okay. Uh, myself and Chad Gray, my direct support. Yeah, we're going to be doing an acoustic performance. Uh, it's just for a nice VIP listening party to people who just want to listen to the album before it comes out. You know, I have an acoustic here. Do you want to play us a song? Um, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Feeling a hand when I was around you. It took my breath away every time. to love. 
Awesome, man. Uh, thank you, Brad. Absolutely. So that, that song, Why, is on yep. your new record. Yep. Who or what is that particular song about? Yeah, so I wrote that song about um, just someone I met at CCBC. She was actually the first girl that I actually like walked up and serenaded. Because back in my CCBC days, because I was fresh out of a band and wasn't sure what I wanted to do, you know, just a way to get my name out there, I would just um, serenade college students, well, at CCBC, UMBC, Towson, you name it. You know, that was just the way to do it because I had no connections back then. Yeah. So were you like just sitting like up at campus with a guitar or were you just singing a cappella? Uh, I would just like play guitar outside of campus, you know. It. And uh, I remember like someone was like saying, uh, shout out to, I forget, this is, it's been so long since I've been at CCBC. So I, I feel bad I forgot the student's name, but, uh, the student was like, Pat, I mean, like you, um, you sing good. You look good. Like, why don't you use this your advantage to, um, sing the girls? I'm like, you know, maybe I should. So that's really, um, how it all started really just from that. Well, you gave a couple shout outs earlier to some of the old veterans in the scene, some of the bands that you looked up to kind of growing up yeah. in the local scene. Anybody you want to give a shout out to that's doing it now? Uh, any shout outs that's doing it now? Uh, I would probably have to give a shout out to uh, my opening act, Silver City. I feel like they've come such a long way and um, they've always called me their Kuya, which is older brother in um, Filipino. So um, they always call me their Kuya. So watching them like, you know, start off with like just doing videos on Instagram to being discovered by Nick Ellison, then playing smaller shows at Zen West to filling up Zen West and everything like that and then opening for me at the record. It's really cool to see an artist like start from nothing to something. Yeah, absolutely. So now it's time to dive into Driven. I've had the opportunity so to, to listen to the whole record in its entirety. Let's uh, let's get into this. So first off, we'll just knock off some basic questions. Where did you cut the tracks? Tony Crowley, right? Yep. Okay. Right there at the Deep End Studios. And a lot of the tracks have his trademark synths. He's playing the synths, correct? Yep. Any other musicians or guests on the album that you want to give a shout out to? Uh, it was just me and Tony in this, uh, okay. this record. Well, so. it, it sounds very complete and full. It sounds like it's a great production. Thank you. You got some actual physical copies of the album. I have one here. Do you have any plans to put it on vinyl? That's always been like, you know, on the bucket list, always been on the bucket list. Uh, 
I'm going to have to talk to Malfi about that once we're off this uh, interview. I'm going to be like, hey, John, we got to start making vinyls now. So the physical copies that we do have, disc makers? I'm pretty sure. I got to talk to Malfi about that. Okay. So you got the physical copies. How many are you ordering? Uh, we're starting off with um, 75, 75 to 100. For I think. the show? Yeah, for the show. See how well things do. I mean, like, uh, we uh, we uh, recently restocked on the Best of Me EP. So people who've wanted Best of Me EP CDs, like, you know, you got to you know, get it now at the album release show. Um, yeah, uh, there's going to be more merch in the works. So Great. Uh, the CD kicks off with the atmospheric track, To Be Here. Uh, it clocks in at about a minute, maybe a minute and 15 seconds. It's very ominous. At times it sounds like UFOs might be landing. Uh, is that a Moog or is Tony would call it a Moog? What, what what instrument is he using to create those kind of UFO-y type sounds? I wish I knew, you know. Uh, Tony, <laughs> Tony surprises me every time. You yes, know, he so. does. He's every got, time every time I'm ready to record a song, I hear something brand new from Tony every time. So, you know, I wish I knew. The first actual track on the record is called Every Dream. Yep. And this particular track seems to be talking about finding a purpose and almost telling people you had to start somewhere, start now. Exactly. That's exactly it. Um, the inspiration behind that was like, it's actually, I have no problem spilling the tea on the mug, you know, but uh it's uh, basically about someone who I used to be friends with. Uh, someone, you know, just uh, someone who I used to be friends with was just like, uh, like saying that they wanted to do something, like pursue something. But I would always be like, you know, what are you waiting for? Like, you know, like it all starts when you give it your all, you know, it starts when you like, you know, do something about it. So that's the inspiration behind the song, really. It was just like saying like, um, every no dream- fate, but what we make. Exactly. Exactly. Terminator 2. No fate, but what we make. Exactly. You know, that's just- and it sounds to me almost like you're kind of also giving yourself a pep talk. Like, don't don't get discouraged. Get back up. Keep going. That's exactly it, actually, uh, because. I wrote that song when, um, while I was uh, promoting Best of Me. And I remember being so overwhelmed because, like, you know, um, I understand that, you know, I released Best of Me during, you know, when we're still still during weird times and everything like that. Yeah. So it was just not the same. Like, I always compared my music journey to when I was in Face of Day. Like, I was just thinking, like, wow, like, we used to pack, you know, record on a Sunday night, you know, 50 plus people. And for... A band playing, you know, at the record at Sunday night with 50 plus people is a lot, you know. It was, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I would always be that person to compare what I did previously. I'm like, why am I not doing what I was doing? Like, why do I feel like I'm stuck? So that's why I would always like give myself that pet talks. Like, you know, I was like, keep going. Like, you know, you what had you to start for? somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's in the lyrics. So Empty Highway. Uh, you don't know this yet, but this will be your fourth single, according to the MOG. I've decided that this is your fourth best song. Actually, I think it's probably the first or second best song, in my opinion. It's actually my favorite song off the album. Yeah, it's a really good song. It's kind of paints the picture of that fantasy moment when things are kind of going wrong. And you just want to get in your car and drive, you know, at night, crank up the music, maybe smoke a pack of Camel Lights on your journey <laughs> to wherever you're going. But... What was the inspiration? Can you can you give us a little insight on this song? Yeah, Empty Highway. Again, it's my favorite song off the album. I uh, just every time I like get uh, very anxious, I get some major anxiety, whether it's like about a girl or something like that. I would always, you know, like you know, go on like those three a.m. drives, you know, and I would just like the high would be completely empty because like you know the time it is, like you know, just yeah. going going night driving and everything like that, thinking like. Was there something I did wrong? Why is this person ghosting me? Kind of a thing. And I would just like, you know, be driving like around in circles thinking like, you know, what did I do wrong in this um, scenario? You know, 
Yeah. And the, the track is about looking for answers. Yep. I mean, we're all looking for answers. Do you feel like you find the answers on those long drives or it's just kind of good for the soul to, to get away from it all? It's just therapy. It's just therapy. Yeah. Uh, just word of advice to anyone who goes night driving, though, just watch out for the deer. That's like you say about that. Yeah. Not all of the songs lend themselves to having like big, powerful electric guitars. But I feel like this particular song does, especially that two-minute mark where that breakdown takes place. Yeah. So if you ever want heavy electric guitars on that song, let me know. Next time in the studio, I'll just I'll just add them, and then you can have a version with electric guitars. Okay, okay. Uh, love that song. Is This Goodbye? That was the third single you released. Yeah. That's the most recent. It's got that driving beat, kind of the melancholy ballad-oriented lyrics. Right. Would you say you're a hopeless romantic? I am. I definitely am. Uh, fun fact about this. Uh, <laughs> so when we were recording this goodbye, uh, Tony and I, we would joke when we were uh, recording the song, we would use the quote from the movie, The Hangover. So say, tell me right now. <laughs> Somebody should right burn now. this place to the ground. <laughs> so instead of saying, tell me right now, it's this goodbye. We'd be like, tell me right now. Tell me right now. But did you die? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I, I can never take that song seriously. Like, but it's still like one of the best songs off the album, in my personal opinion. Uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a hopeless romantic. Like it's just, basically one of those like you know things are going south but you just like want to know like you know straight up like you know is this like you know are we are we done for sure you know yeah man and i found the ordering to be very intentional and i'm going to get into that and why but what was the writing process was it linear or did were the kind of the songs coming in and then you put them together in a way that was like okay this all makes sense now yeah just kind of did like that just like figured like you know listen to the songs go like yeah this makes sense starting here and ending there for like for example every dream was a perfect like you know introduction to the album because it literally says every dream starts with you you know so it starts so start the album and end the album and then after is this goodbye is kind of almost a part two to that that's why i said it feels like a very intentional order is memories oh yeah that's like uh one of my favorite songs off the album too uh, you know, I would love to play that live. One of my favorites. Because we all wonder what those people do they think about us and what do they feel about that? Exactly. You know, no matter how, you know, you're trapped in those memories of that other person, you sometimes wonder, do you still think about me sometimes? Like, do you still think about those memories? Like, you sometimes like wonder, like, can we go back? Like, is it possible to go back? Like stuff like that. Or could it work out in the future? Exactly. You never know. Exactly. Can you say who the song was about, or is that uh, under lock and key? Um, what would you I, take some of the I actually away? wrote it about uh, the person who inspired "Feels Like Home" from the EP. Okay. <laughs> yeah, funny how that works, right? One of the things yeah, about memories, in, in particular, it's kind of a snapshot that we all have of a particular time, and it's not something that we're thinking in terms of words. It's it's like you think of the person, you just have a feeling. Exactly. They either make you feel good, their vibration makes you feel good, or that makes you feel not good. Exactly. If I say Tony Corelli, you probably feel all warm and fuzzy inside because Tony's a good dude. Exactly. So to me, it was tapping into like how somebody makes you feel. Exactly. Yeah. The point of when I made, when I made this song is like I wanted to be like something very happy tone, but in a serious like you know topic. Because like the the tone of the song is like you know very happy and uplifting, but the lyrics itself are like very very like serious, like you know, so it is. But it gets real serious when we get to Lost. Oh my god! And the reason I say that the album seems intentional is because to me, all the stuff kind of around Lost, it the Lost is the heart, in my opinion, of the album. Yeah, it, it is, is very kind of dark, 
somber. It's got a really pretty piano. It's it's not upbeat at all. And it feels like the whole album, aptly titled Driven, is about that fight or flight. And at times you're fighting. And in this particular song, I feel like you're in that empty highway flight zone. Like you just want to leave it all behind. Exactly. I love how you said, um, you know, use my lyrics right there. <laughs> yes. But um, Lost was actually the very first time that I um, literally like felt like crying in the vocal booth when I was when I recorded that song. And you that conveyed song. that. Yeah. I actually felt like crying in that vocal booth because um, it was a very serious song for me. And it was like one of those things like I'm starting to get emotional just even thinking about it just because of how yeah. um, personal the song it is. Uh, I uh, purposely put that song, you know, there because like it just made me go like it was during a time when people who I thought were so like I thought was so close to me thought people I would never leave, you know, like they would just believe everything that other people were saying about me and it was just like one of those things like where I was just like yeah I mean like oh Pat was talking about this about you or you know uh Pat thinks you know this about you and it was just so easy for people to just shun me from their lives and it was making making me go like man like you never had a chance to hear my side of things you never got to hear like how is it that you were so quick to shun me and so like it's till this day it still gets to me sometimes I'd be lying if I said that I got over it completely but I mean like it still gets me every time. I think that's one of the only songs that I don't think I would ever play live only because I know that I would start crying if I um, played a song live. And that's why you need to perform it live because you did capture that emotion and that's what music is supposed to do. And I feel like if you did do it live, you'd have that room at a standstill. <laughs> My favorite line is about uh, feeling lonely in a crowded place. Like you could be at the record theater with all your friends around but if you can't mentally be present, you're not really there anyway. I used to feel like, you know, like sometimes I would sit in a table with all those um, people who I used to be close with. And then like I would sometimes feel like I was the only person in that table, despite like, you know, them all being around me, you know. But it made me wake up and realize like the true meaning of value, like, you know, when uh, COVID happened and we were all forced to quarantine. So that was just something that, you know, when I wrote Lost, it was just during a place in my life where I was thinking like, wow, like all these people like, you know, shunned me with like, you know, no hesitation whatsoever. The album continues down the highway with I'm Not Afraid. Now, this is where we start emerging a little bit from the clouds. The, Like I said, the heart of the album is yeah. is lost. Not necessarily your first single. Probably, if I was an A&R guy, maybe your third single. You know, you come out yeah. of the gates, if, as far as I'm concerned, with Empty Highway. And then maybe is this goodbye into Lost. I mean, that, that little chunk of songs right there in the beginning is perfect. Yeah. But talk to me about I'm Not Afraid. So I purposely made I'm Not Afraid after Lost because like Lost is like the saddest song of the entire album. And it's the, the saddest song I've ever written in general. So I wanted it to still carry on to like, it's kind of like the sequel to Lost, you know? Um, I'm Not Afraid is kind of like the sequel to Lost. It's like, it's talking about the people who've, you know, like, you know, try to bring me down. Like people mm -hmm. like, you know, saying like how much like they hated me and hearing the stories about me. And it's like basically saying like, you know, they all want to see me fall, but in the end, I, you know, like never, never be afraid to be yourself and, you know, keep on moving forward and everything like that. So when I recorded I'm Not Afraid, it was like one of those like uplifting songs that made me go like, I actually recorded this right after I recorded Lost, funny enough. So I, again, I had to start from recording the saddest song first to, you know, feeling more uplifted. And then once I recorded I'm Not Afraid, I was just like, yeah, this is like the song that I know that 
it's a song that people need to hear, you know, it's a song that people need to hear and go like, yeah, never be afraid to be you, you know? Right. And it's also kind of a a flashback to Empty Highway because it's that pep talk that you need to give yourself. Like you can't let the the stuff on the peripheral destroy or tear you down. You've got to keep driving. Exactly. All right. Well, we're continuing on. Uh, What happened to you seems to be kind of redirecting the negativity back at the person that's sending you the negativity. Exactly. Um, kind of like the same person I wrote, is this goodbye about, um, keeping a low profile on that. But like, you know, it's just like one of those things like where when I recorded, uh, what happened to you, I knew for sure that I wanted, you know, something that was a bit more different from best in me. Cause best me was very, you know, very cutesy, very like, you know, happy, you know, topics, you know, when I released, uh, what happened to you and like, you know, I wanted people to see, oh, there's a different side of Pat Rennie. There's like more of like a, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? I do know what you're trying to say. Yeah. What happened to you seems to be part of a, uh, almost trilogy of songs. There's lost. I'm not afraid of what happened to you. And I feel like what happened to you may be what inspired the other two songs, but I don't know that. Exactly. No. Oh my God. That's crazy. You said that because I mean, there was a reason why I put those songs in the specific order that they, you know, they were in. So Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I picked up from it. Wow. And we we already heard why. Okay. So that leaves driven. And um I'm going to ask you what song can we put at the end of this episode? We could put Empty Highway because it's, you know, okay. you're saying it's you say it's uh one of your favorites and it's my personal favorite um from the album, so why not? You know? Okay. So we're gonna get my favorite at the very end of the mog here. Empty Highway. What do you want people to take from this record? Uh, I, if anything, I just want people to feel inspired when they listen to this album. I want them to, I mean, I named it Driven for a reason, you know. I just want people to realize, like, no matter how um, tough things get, you know, whether they have, like, a dream of their own or, um, like, anything, you know, just never let anyone tell you that you can't do it or that you can't go anywhere. Like no matter how many haters come your way, like, you know, so many people try to bring me down, but in the end, you know what? I'm headlining at the record. So that's my answer to that. Absolutely. Pat, I have a lot of faith in what you're doing. I believe in you. Come back after the record show and just do a follow-up with us. Absolutely. I would love that. All right. So we're going to hear Empty Highway. Pat Rennie, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Brad. Taking it back when we first met last summertime. Taking it back when you were the only person in my life. Did it make sense to set me free? Did it make sense for you to leave? Did it make sense? Fight or flight, you should be mine. So quick, but you didn't care to try It's so unreal, I shouldn't feel The emptiness of you not by my side On a empty highway I've been driving all night looking for answers about when we first staring at each other's eyes thinking about when we confessed everything that we felt inside was it worth giving up on us wasn't worth being out of touch wasn't worth it 
Sense. 